Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Caroline Saniza Levine about effective performance management practices in organizations. Saniza Levine, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have the chance to talk with you. Uh, we've we've been preparing for this uh, this interview for a while now, and you have such an interesting background. We're going to have a really great discussion about employee performance and how to really uh, leverage and get the most out of uh, your employees. Uh, as we get started, I want to share with the listeners your uh, bio and give you a chance to to do an introduction. Uh, Caroline is the co-founder of Six Figure Start and provides career coaching, leadership training, and HR consulting. Caroline is a senior contributor for Forbes Leadership, adjunct at Columbia University, and frequent media guest, including appearances on CBS, CNN, CNBC, and Fox Business. Her work with companies include talent management, diversity programs, and leadership training, particularly for high uh, potential managers stepping into a bigger role or leading for the first time. Prior to starting her company in 2008, Caroline spent uh, 15 years in strategy consulting, uh, retrained executive search and corporate HR. Um, A really great background and very similar in many ways to my background and my interests. Um, So I think we'll have a really great discussion today. Uh, anything yeah. you would like to add to your bio? No, I mean, I think being a, a recruiter for a long time before moving into coaching and training, I've seen just thousands of career paths and, and thousands of employees. And so that's the lens, basically, that I bring to the coaching and training. Awesome. Well, so really the main topic for today is, is performance management. Uh, and how do we do it effectively? Uh, there's been a big movement in performance management practice over the last decade or so, um, moving away from these traditional annual performance reviews into more uh, either quarterly or even better yet, real-time um, types of uh, performance conversations and coaching, feedback sessions, uh, and, and dialogue with employees. Um, why? Why do you think we've gone through that shift uh, from something that was pretty, pretty established, pretty standard. I think most people took it for granted. Like this is the way you do performance management. And now we've kind of blown that up and we're doing something different. Yeah. I think a lot of it is based around how we communicate these days. There is an immediacy about communication. And so if you think about the workforce and the millennials and Gen Z, and these are digital natives, they don't know anything but the immediacy of communication. 
And so the idea of waiting a year for feedback seems a little ridiculous. And so that definitely has, has moved into the culture. And I think there's more of an awareness now um, with companies that their employees are, are part of their, their assets and that are people that they have to take care of and they have to, to brand an experience for their employees. And so they can't rely on this is how things were done. They, they do have to respond to what's expected. And again, millennials, Gen Z, they really, really appreciate feedback. And frankly, Gen X and the boomers do as well. So it, it's not like people don't want to get feedback. And business moves too, too quickly to find out a year from now that, oh, you should be focusing on something else. <laughs> but you could have you know, gotten that news, of course, in real time or certainly at least quarterly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many problems with the kind of traditional annual review process. If the only time you're getting meaningful feedback on your performance is once a year, oh my goodness, there's all sorts of biases that can enter into that process. But there's there's recency effect and there's just like you forget stuff. And and I mean, how relevant really is feedback a year from when I actually did something? It, it doesn't have any impact. It doesn't yeah. help me improve. It doesn't serve any real purpose other than checking some boxes, you know, for HR and, and saying we have some documentation. And, and I think that's really what organizations started to realize. They, they, they finally were willing to take a step back and say, is this really doing what we thought it should be doing? And the reality is most, most people hate annual reviews and uh, managers hate it. Employees hate it. Uh, it's, it's a tedious process. It's not beneficial. And there's lots of studies that actually show that if that's all you do, it actually can have negative impacts on performance. And so, so yeah, so, so companies uh, started to blow up the process. Really, some tech companies, I think, were the first ones to start doing that and to adopt this more real-time approach. And you mentioned uh, digital natives. I think that definitely drives part of it. And it's, it's interesting to have this discussion uh, with people um, about millennials and Gen Z, students or workers. And, you know, some people frame it as, well, they're entitled. They just, they need to be coddled. They need to be, they need their hands held constantly. Um, and, and there might be some truth to some of that, but I, I suppose part of that's just youth, you know, like I, I think we all, kind of, we all kind of go through that when we're younger and then we kind of grow out of that as we get older and we mature. But part of it is just, I also think that um, workers today have a higher expectation for their workplace um, than previous generations may have had because we know what good management practice and what good leadership practice is. There's lots, there's been decades now of research on how to run successful organizations, what good leadership looks like. Uh, and, and employees know if they're being micromanaged, um, they know that that's stupid. And it, <laughs> like that's like the worst possible way to lead and manage people. Uh, and they have higher expectations. They, they want to grow. They want to have meaningful work. They want to contribute. And, you know, I, I think part of it's just, just Gen Z or uh, millennials and Gen Z's just holding their leaders accountable. Um, yeah, and I think for better or worse, we, we recognize, you know, what is effective in terms of, of communication. And then also we spend a lot of time at, at work and yeah. the notion of, 
working somewhere and not having a relationship that's based on frequent and candid communication, um, I, I think that's anathema to a lot of people. And again, we're spending so much time at work. We are tethered to our work because we're tethered to our devices. And so why not have more of a free-flowing, ongoing conversation? Absolutely. So what do you see as the best model or perhaps elements of an effective model for the modern performance management? Yeah. So actually when I take my managers through it and and keep in mind, when I say ongoing feedback, I'm not suggesting that they take an exhaustive annual review and do that same process after every single project or even quarterly, because that's unrealistic, right? There's always a trade-off between thoroughness and immediacy. So we have to be realistic about how much time we're going to have for feedback. And so I actually tell my managers to, to use two criteria, to think of just these two criteria as they look at their team. And one of them is effectiveness. So are they able to do the job? And so that's skills, that's expertise, you know, so are they competent? And the second is engagement. Do they want to do the job? And so if you take just these two criteria and you can imagine these aren't binary. So someone's not effective, ineffective. I mean, there are gradations of of effectiveness. Um, So you can think of that as the x-axis. And then if you think of even willingness or engagement, that's also there are gradations of that. So that's the y-axis. So you can plot your team basically in four quadrants. You have people who are both effective and engaged. Fantastic. They are the high performers. They're your star people. Then you have some people who are effective. They're really good, but they have an attitude problem. We've all worked with these folks, right? So they're not engaged. They're a problem. So they're your toxic star, if you will. Um, They're good, but they're not that good, right? And then you have someone who really means well, and they, they want to do a good job. They volunteer for stuff. They're willing to help out not so good at the job. And so that's another problem. They're the earnest underperformers, what I call them. And then, of course, there are people who aren't good at their job, don't want to do the job. This is definitely a performance improvement situation. You need to put them on a plan and you have to manage them very closely. And so just by thinking of people in those broad strokes, you have a sense as a manager of what you need to do because someone who's in that high performance area where they're both effective and engaged. The question is, how do you keep them there? How do you keep them challenged? How do you keep them from burning out? Similarly, a toxic star, it's how do you enroll them back into uh, a positive attitude, a positive vision of, of what they want for their work? Maybe that's impossible and they ultimately are, are too, there's too much of a cost to keeping them, but you might be able to because you're focused on the engagement and the motivation issue and you trust them on everything else. You might be able to, to really get them back reinvigorated into their work. And then for the earnest underperformer, you know, train them on the job. Maybe they're new. Maybe they just need some extra help on a specific skill. The fact that they're so interested and engaged is a good sign. And we're really talking about, you know, a skill that they need to learn. Or maybe they're, they'd be terrific at the company and they just need to be in another role. So it's a way of, of being more flexible um, with your staffing and with your talent management. So it's not about, are you a star or not? That makes no sense, right? We all have different areas that we need to work on. 
For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I love that. Um, and I, I love kind of the typology that you use to approach it. Now, obviously, people are more complex, right? And you'll have, you'll have some aspects of your performance, some aspects of your job where you might fall into different buckets. Exactly. Right. And it's a spectrum. It's not a binary. And you mentioned that. So, you know, with that as a caveat, it is a useful tool to think through, um, through performance uh, with that kind of a typology because it can help us understand the, the very different approaches that we would need to take uh, in working with employees to help them maximize their potential and, and maximize their performance. Uh, one of the, well, so there are a couple things you said that I want to explore a little bit more. Um, you talked about the ta- the toxic star. I've definitely seen many of those in my time. Um, but there's also the star that, that starts to, under, for whatever reason, they start to underperform. So that they go from being an A plus player to now that they've just dipped and there can be a, a huge range of reasons why that would occur. Right. Um, so what, what do you, what, what's your advice for leaders as they're trying to either deal with a toxic star or try to deal with a star who has fallen? Well, you, you know, alluded to it. You got it right away when I was talking about this matrix and saying, well, people are people and they, they fall, you know, in, in different areas and we can't just put one person in one box. And that's so true. If you think about even your highest performer, they're in that box because of their circumstances right now, uh, because of the project or the responsibilities that you've given them. If you change something, then they might fall out of that box. And so what happens many times is that, oh, they're a fantastic uh, team member. Let's give them more. And we give them more, maybe we give them too much, or maybe we give them something that they're not interested in. Maybe we, we start uh, moving them into whether it's, you know, another project or another client or, you know, some, some area where they just don't have as much passion and engagement. And so they start to fall out of that. And, and this is why you can't just put someone on a box, set it and forget it. They are people, things change. Or they might have some kind of personal circumstance. Maybe it's a, a busy time for them. It's September, the start of the school season. It's chaos. And you're seeing a little dip in performance, but it's something where they're a new parent and they're dealing with, with something that they've never dealt before. And being used to being a star, they don't even know that they're struggling or that they need to ask for help because they, they probably think, I can just do this all on my own. I don't, I don't need to raise my hand here. And so you do have to, to manage actively even your stars. Now, when we talk about the toxic star, so similarly, you know, maybe they were engaged before. And then you put them on something where they got disengaged. Or maybe they, let's say, disagree with the strategy. That isn't to say that you as the manager do not set the strategy. But maybe you have to explain to them, give them more context. Maybe they feel like they put an idea out there and it was dismissed or they're not taken seriously. And 
by addressing that specific issue, again, you re-enroll them, you reinvigorate them. And so I think it's important to think about you know, what is at the root of the issue with that employee and not just think about they're a bad employee or they're a good employee because people are not binary, as you rightly pointed out. Yeah, and I think if our goal as leaders and managers is to truly maximize the performance of our team and the individuals on that team, then that means we have to know them. We have to understand um, their motivations, uh, how they prioritize those motivations. And then we have to, you know, we, we can't be intrusive. We can't violate privacy. But we, we, if we develop trust with them, then we will know um, when there are issues that arise that maybe they need extra support with. So if I have a star player that ends up coming in and for, you know, maybe a couple weeks their performance dips, you know, I, my first response shouldn't be, like what the crap? Why are you, why does your performance suck? It should be like let's go have a conversation. Let's figure out what's going on and how can I help you? How can I support you? And if I'm being with a, 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 a employee that way, that's very different than me going in a punitive fashion and going in and trying to reprimand them or saying you really need to get your sales up. You know, um, like acknowledge the struggles that they're dealing with. Maybe they had a, a death in the family. Maybe I mean. We, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I don't know about you. If, if you um, have any children at home, I have six children at home. And so for overnight you go, you're working from home. Your kids are all doing school from home. My kids uh, age ranges 16 down to seven. So all six of my children are in school. We're trying to help them do their school and do our work. It's stressful. There's anxiety. Like, like you have to be, you have to acknowledge that and be aware uh, and be supportive of people within the context they're in. You can't just ignore it and say, well, that's your personal life. Put it aside, come to work, be productive. You can say that, but you can say that, but it's not going to work. Yeah. (laughs) People are affected by different things personally and professionally. People are motivated by different things. And so sometimes people are motivated by what's the company strategy. Sometimes people don't really care. They're more narrowly focused on what their immediate job is. Or maybe, you know, if I think about that earnest underperformer where I mentioned, oh, you know, they, they're, they've already bought in, but what they need are actual skills. You know, they're, they're drowning and they need tangible help. And so cheering them on all day long isn't going to help solve the problem. So we do have to be mindful of what the problem is, not just what we think the problem is, but really working with the other person. And to your point, not in a punitive way, I always suggest be curious be open-ended, be willing to discover something new. If you just leave yourself open to discovering something new, then you'll go in there with an open enough mind that you might actually uncover the real problem. Awesome. Um, How about managing performance in a virtual environment? So, so many people right now are working from home. Um, Does that fundamentally shift the way performance management should occur? Is it mostly the same? What do you think? I think it. I think it totally shifts it, and, and here's why. Um, obviously, the dynamics change. Your mode of communication changes. There are managers who, and this is not a bad way to manage, but their um, their primary way of managing is what I call being physically present. The management by walking around, right? They 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 maybe it's an open work environment typically, and they look up, they get 
they get a feel for, for, they look at people and they see if someone looks confused or if someone looks down and that triggers them and energizes them. And now they're, they're into action and that's great except now we're not physically together, right? And so, and you might not realize that as the manager, you might not realize how dependent you are on management by walking around because it's so natural to you and you didn't think about it. And so don't assume as the manager that what worked for you in the past is going to be sufficient or even effective at this point. And as the team member, don't assume that your manager knows how to manage remotely. You know, it's not because they don't trust you. It's because if you're not there, I, how are really are they going to know what's going on? So you might have gotten into a rhythm where you're only checking in once a week or once every other week or on an as-needed basis. Well, when you can't see each other anymore and you can't drop in and say, did the report, working on this other thing, or I'm a little bit behind here, when you can't have that small talk, uh, people will panic. And so I, I tell both sides, you need to communicate more frequently. You need to reset expectations. If you haven't already, you know, get on a Zoom, get on a call and say, it's like, what should I do? Five questions. How often do, do you want to meet? What kind of reports or updates do you need? It's going to be different because you can't see each other. Excellent. Excellent. Um, we're getting close to, uh, being out of time, but I do want to make sure that you get a chance to share with listeners uh, how they can connect with you, how they can learn more about you and uh, reach out uh, to get your assistance. Sure. I mean, I have a lot of information on sixfigurestart.com, the website, and my email directly is just caroline at sixfigurestart.com. So that's very easy. And I've been writing for Forbes Leadership for 10 years now. So if you just search for me on the Forbes.com site, you'll see a lot of my work posted there. My focus there is on the individual and really helping the individual manage their career. And so if you're a company, you'll really want to go on my, my regular site and look for the four organizations where I talk more about you know, what I do for companies specifically. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I encourage my listeners to reach out. Uh, this has been a great discussion and we've really only scratched the surface. There's so much more detail we could get into uh, and this is an area that I think we're both very passionate about. So perhaps we can uh, uh, revisit this topic on another day and, and really dive in uh, deeper into some specifics. Uh, but I appreciate your typology and I appreciate the insights that you've provided. I think it really just comes down to uh, performance management doesn't need to be rocket science. You don't need some super complex system. You just need to be engaged with your employees. You need to get to know them. You need to develop trust with them. And then you need to open, com openly communicate with them. And if you do that on a regular basis, um, then, you know, a lot of things will take care of themselves. Um, yeah. and there, there's a place for formal process as well, but there's, you know, a lot of informal communication and feedback opportunities can, can deal with a lot of it. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think part of staying open is also being mindful of your tendency as a manager. Some of us tend to be more of that director type where we're explaining things and some tend to be more of the cheerleader. And the reality is that managers need to be both. And the best type of management isn't about what you're comfortable with. It's what is needed 
So that toxic star might need more of the cheerleader. They need to be reinvigorated. But that earnest underperformer needs to be directed, wants to be directed. And so you can't just say, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not a micromanager. You have to do what your team needs you to do. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for so much for joining me today. I encourage my listeners to reach out. And I hope everyone stays healthy and safe. Have a wonderful week and uh, enjoy your time with your, your friends and family. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.